0: Your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Dustin Melbartis, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to
1: Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable, where we watch movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Brian Fry, and joining me today is my good friend and co-host, Dustin Melbartis. How are you doing, Dustin?
2: Evening, Brian. Doing very well. Excited about this movie tonight.
1: He is down in actually chilly Texas right now. Very chilly. Like, hell flows over chilly. Down
2: here. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. wild. It's, it's beautiful in its own way, but nobody down here is used to this.
1: And also, uh, coming to you from the Lilac City here with me is Andreas Margraf. How are you?
0: Hello, hello. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, we're going to pitch you a couple warm-up questions here. We'll start off with Andreas, if you will tell me. What's the last movie you saw?
0: The last movie that I saw was uh, in theaters actually. It was Tar with Kate uh, oh. Blanchett directed by Todd Fields. Incredible. Uh, if I were to go particularly technically, I want to say maybe best movie of the year. Really crazy. So, highly recommend. Excellent. Excellent. Dustin, what you got, man? What was your last film?
2: Well, I was kind of in a Star Wars mood recently and after it's watching uh, <laughs> after watching A New Hope. I, uh, I think we, we even talked a little bit about space battles. So I really wanted to see some of that. So I actually popped in Return of the Jedi while I was getting some other things done around the house. And of course, the obligatory, you know, I'm in the middle of something else, but like, ooh, spaceships. I'm just going to stand in front of the TV and watch for a little bit and then get back to it. But Return of the Jedi for me.
1: Heck yeah. Excellent. Excellent. For me, I watched uh, Vigo Mortensen in Crimes of the Future is quite a strange movie uh I really enjoyed it I, I hope you guys do too, but yeah it's uh it's different also let's uh let's go with andreas here uh what is your favorite robin Williams movie? I uh, believe he's taken too soon did some great works in comedy and drama
0: unquestionably I would love to say what we're talking about today, but that would be too easy. I am going to go with Jumanji because that is such a childhood movie for me. Absolutely loved what he brought to it and made it just something unforgettable for me. Dustin, what you got, brother?
2: I'm going with Hook. Mm. Uh, that is, that's not just a childhood movie. It got a huge resurgence for me in college because all of the uh, all of the low brass at the University of Tennessee sure. loved playing the 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 pirate theme from that song, and it was just a, a everyday occurrence. We would hear that. In fact, <laughs> so much so that we had, like, I think, every tuba and every baritone dress up like pirates and Captain Hook. I was Rufio. We had a whole big thing going on Ooh, a strange fascination yeah. with that movie. <laughs> uh, but Hook is, is my favorite Robin Williams. It was hard not to say one hour photo.
1: I got so excited when he started doing his branch offs from his Mrs. Yeah. Doubtfire-ness. I, I literally couldn't pick between these two. I love them both for different reasons, but uh, the two I put down were Insomnia and what dreams may what come. Dreams
2: may come. I had a feeling. Yeah.
1: What what dreams may come. First off, blew me away as a visual piece. Like it's like I know that's not really Robin Williams' part in it, but when you inject an actor of his caliber into basically this crazy Dante's Inferno esque journey that he takes in this film, it was awesome. Insomnia is actually just one of my favorite psychological thrillers, and the way that he played off of Al Pacino and that it's seriously one of the most interestingly uh, atmospheric thrillers I've ever watched.
2: Sounds rad. I actually haven't seen Insomnia.
1: All right. So are are we ready to talk about our movie today?
2: Absolutely.
1: Yes, indeed. Today's movie is Good Will Hunting, starring, as the aforementioned Robin Williams, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, and Stellan Skarsgård, as well as Minnie Driver. Uh, this was released in 1997 with a budget of over around ballpark $10 million. Uh, it grossed $138-plus million domestically. Uh, it placed seventh in the box office that year. The movie ahead of it was As Good As It Gets. The movie that place behind it was Star Wars Episode IV, the special edition re-release, not the original. Uh, The number one movie that year just pushing people out of the way and smacking them in the face or (laughs) sinking them was Titanic. Uh, IMDb gives this film an 8.3. I personally gave it an IMD rating of a 9, not to give any spoilers for my later ratings or anything like that. But Hmm. uh, Rotten Tomatoes, critics gave this 97%. Audience gave it 94%. It got two Academy Awards, one for Best Supporting Actor in Robin Williams, and one for Best Screenplay, written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. It won one Golden Globe, nominated for three more, got a Critics' Choice Award winner uh, number one and nominated for two, uh, Screen Actors Guild Award won and nominated for three, MTV Movie
0: Awards got four.
1: I think that'll about do it. So th- this, this really racked up the ribbons on the,
0: uh, on the breastbone. Was it deserving? Unquestionably. This is, I think, one of my favorite movies ever, honestly.
2: I think it deserves the praise it gets. I don't look at the IMDb scores or the critic scores before I watch any of these movies for a second, third, fourth time, or very frequently on the show the first time. I knew that this had a lot going for it, and I knew that the world believed that it was elevated. And uh, coming through on this watch-through – I think I begin to see what everybody else was saying. Because when I first hit this, I was probably too young to really give it any credit. It's also impossible to ignore like the cultural references to this. Several scenes are, if not referenced, they're just flat out redone. The chalkboard. Whether it's a chalkboard, whether it's simply the it's not your fault line, there's several things that are from this movie as a basis like oh, apples that's that's a rough one (laughs) that that one is unfortunately (laughs) when you rewatch this movie i think that uh, the the impact of it gets taken away with the you like apples how you like them apples Uh, but yeah it's impossible to have like ignored this movie or to not be aware of it i think but uh yeah i had seen it before but i think i had probably more like experienced it as referential more than I've actually seen it several times. I think I only have one or two other viewings under my belt. Did you still
1: enjoy it upon this viewing the same way or do you think that it aged?
2: The, the gift is that when I revisit something for the show, it's nine out of 10 times the best viewing of it and the, the most I get from it is when I get to watch it like homework a little bit, when I get to really focus. Uh, that's that's kind of a, the gift of this show.
0: Movies often demand that of you, but we don't always give that to them. And so once we do, we realize how much good stuff is there.
2: Every quarter hour, there's something building. It's uh, it, it's deserving of its accolades, and uh, I, I loved this rewatch.
1: All right, so uh, Andreas, have you seen this before? Expectations? What? But- How'd you feel about it this time around?
0: This was one of my best watches. I The first time I saw it was maybe too young. I don't know. I don't think too young to see it, but too young to fully appreciate it. Probably I was eight or nine and it was just, this, this is cool, I guess. That guy's smart. On rewatches over the last couple of years, it's definitely solidified itself as a, a personal favorite and seeing it this time was no exception. Super enjoyed it. Got emotional when the movie was emotional. It hit hard.
1: I've got a, a an interesting take on this film. Uh, this film, for a really long time, has been a unicorn for me, uh, to borrow the term from Gone in sixty seconds. No matter how many times I sit down with every intention of watching this movie end to end, something always
3: happens. Hmm.
1: Whether it was watching it on television, whether it was watching on HBO or whatever, something always happens. I had never sat down and watched this movie from beginning to end. I'm fairly certain I've seen the entire film in patchwork pieces. yeah, but I know but what you mean. not but not in the same sitting and not I don't mean like oh, I watched half one day and half another day. I mean like I watched the first 45 minutes, nine different times. <laughs> uh, at some point, I came in like 30 minutes in and watched like another hour from there. It's about a two hour and what fifteen minute movie? Two hour and ten minutes,
0: somewhere, somewhere
2: in, there. in yeah, that ballpark. Two ten. Yeah. And
1: yeah. I, I caught the ending a couple of times, and I'm just like, okay, this is just driving me nuts. I've got to watch it beginning to end. This is nuts. I like I don't know if I've missed anything, but I I just no matter what happened, I mean, I'd start watching it. I'd get an hour in and be like, buzz buzz, you got to go do this. And I'm like, ah,
0: all right. So <laughs> as far <laughs> as you know, he this, just gets jailed and that's it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So, so this is the first time that I watched all of it within. Uh, I'm going to say within a 24 hour
3: period, mm-hmm. and,
1: uh, and and linearly, <laughs> you know, it wasn't just like snip it here, snip it here, snip it here, snip it there. So, um, yeah, yeah, this is weird. But I, I actually picked this because I was like, ha! Now I have to make myself watch it all
2: at once. I'll say for sure that uh, maybe it was after the second or third. It took me a long time to like to remember or to figure out why Professor Lambeau was involved at all. Like I, f- I had forgotten kind of the first 25 minutes um, over time. and So coming back to it now and be like, okay, it has always made a lot of sense. I just missed it <laughs> the first couple times. Uh,
1: there are some, de- there's definitely some, some integral pieces in the Matt Damon people of authority over him communication pieces that were lost the way I had, I had seen it in the past. Um, I, I literally jumped on, I, I bought this movie for this viewing because I was like, I'm tired of trying to find it free somewhere, catching it on television. You know, part of the reason that I failed so hard at watching this beginning to end for so long is because I just don't have it. So I'm going to get it and then we're just going to knock this out. So uh Yeah just just fantastic movie i knew it was a fantastic movie before but it it was so much better actually getting the clarity of of watching it uh start to finish
2: some movies have the title or the acclaim of being considered fantastic and this was one that i think solidified using that adjective uh mm. today uh, like w- when I was thinking about the movie and I was trying to zig and zag around the things that I loved and didn't love, I was like, "Wow, this was quite an experience
1: One movie that I always kind of tie this one to, not because they have anything really to do with one another, but but some of the, some of the plot pieces are the same is Dead Poet Society. Dead Poet Society was one of those movies that I did and have watched end to end several times, and then because I sort of Grouped these in a very similar place, it irritated me a lot that I hadn't gotten around to watching this one in the end. I watched 30 minutes of it before uh, before we got on here, just just because I wanted to. So, uh, so without uh, further ado, uh, take your uh, time to pause, benchmark, do whatever you do to not let us spoil this film for you, uh, because we're coming up on the plot summary and we're about to wreck it.
2: All
1: right, we are back, and without further ado, we will be ruining this film for you. So the plot,
2: dust. Will Hunting is a talented savant working at MIT as a janitor who spends his free time yucking it up with the guys, dropping quarters at the batting cages, and solving high-level proofs meant for mathematics grad students. His work is noticed by a Professor Gerald Lambeau, who in an attempt to track him down, led him to the local jail, where Will is awaiting arraignment for nearly punching a guy to death. Now, Lambeau bails him out on one condition, that he meet with him weekly to go over big special math problems, and that he also attend counseling. After a few shrinks strike out in getting through to the closed-off, aggressive, and know-it-all nature of Will, Lambeau's college friend Sean McGuire is the right fit for the job. He confronts Will about the walls he puts up and reminds him that he is still young and has no real-world experiences, in part to his fear of being hurt or being wrong, identified as the reason he resists this pull from Lambeau, and he resists the closeness to his girlfriend, Skylar. Will recognizes his own genius, but blows off lucrative job interviews before Sean kindles a friendship with him, fomenting a father-son-like relationship through shared past toughness, but he still closes off to Skylar as she moves away to California. After coming to grips with his past and his insecurities, realizing that those closest to him actually want him to succeed and to leave Southie as well as walking in on Lambeau and Sean fighting over what's best for his future. Will's walls come down in an emotional embrace with Sean. He drives off in a new car bought for him by his buddies and not toward a job offer, but to find the girl that challenges him a soulmate, perhaps as Elliot Smith plays us into the credits. Great stuff.
1: Right on. All right. So this is uh this is, A pretty hardcore cast here. Uh, We've got some up-and-comers. Now we know them as as superstars, but we have a bunch of up-and-comers here. Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Stellan Skarsgård, Casey Affleck, Cole Hauser, Matt Mercer. How are many driver? I mean, how how do you feel about how these characters kind of played against each other or for each other uh, in this fairly complex plot?
2: Well, I think I'll start with our two writers, right? Damon and Affleck. Easiest place to start is this story is special, but they needed it to be in the South Boston area. It needed to have the time spent with uh, Casey Affleck's character and Cole Hauser's character. Like the time spent at the bar just kind of being buddies think the thing that maybe surprised me the most is uh w- will hunting's age is 20 years old through most of the film but um you know th- this is something that like boston people like to have this idea of what it's like to hang out with your boston friends um and so i think i'll start there is that th- these two you can you can tell on screen if you didn't already know that there's a sort of a i don't want to say philadelphia but there's like a boston brotherly love here between these guys
0: Absolutely. Indeed. Starting there as well with the two writers, I genuinely believe that the movie wanted Boston to be another character, which is a bit corny to say, but it's very clear that they knew where they wanted their movie to be set and they wanted it to have a voice within that. And I think they did a good job of that. Uh, Moving on to Robin Williams, his additions I think matched well, especially with him his character supposedly being from that same Southie neighborhood as well. Uh, I saw that, or I read rather that uh, Robin Williams actually asked uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck to take him out to some Southie bars uh, in the production before the movie started. And in fact, they got rushed and uh, got into a fight. Can you believe it? In prep to the movie. Yeah. Especially with Ben Affleck, it seems. And Castle Rock Studios sent them a message saying not to let Robin Williams go up to Southie anymore. After that,
1: it, it makes me curious if Robin Williams was an instigator here. Like, I I have always kind of long held that like two or three people that I would never want to get a, in a fight with. Ben Affleck's one of them. I, I just feel like Mark Wahlberg's another one. I I feel like Mark Wahlberg could punch a hole through my chest. I mean, we so, have
0: receipts for that. Didn't he blind yeah. someone?
1: I, I—that's what I'm saying. I, I just—I I don't have any interest in being in a fight with several of these folks. I think I, I wouldn't want to get punched by Robin Williams. Uh, honestly, that—that that actually would do more damage to my soul mm-hmm. than it would to my body. So, uh, Mister, yeah, I bench twenty.
0: I bench two seventy-five. What do you bench?
1: I believe that. I'm. I am curious. I want to know how it started. I want to. I want to know the details. It's like watching two benches clear during a sporting event. I just want to know why.
0: I believe, if I recall, it started with a bunch of people swarming Robin Williams because he's a popular actor, and with uh, (laughs) with Ben Affleck kind of pushing people back, then they started to get mad and stuff started.
1: Gotcha.
2: I think it really matters Robin Williams' presence here, and and Brian, you mentioned the Dead Poet Society, uh, but like with with uh, his style of care in this movie, his role as a as a, not just like a therapist here, but as sort of a counselor and a um, mentor in a way. I I will say I I think it seemed like a stretch. They were doing a little bit of. Uh, a little bit of accent work with him, just a little bit, not enough to be distracting. And I'm glad they didn't like lean into it too hard. But, uh, you know, talking about like the, the Boston as a character, uh, th- they needed to tie him in somehow. I don't, I don't think it was necessary, but I'm glad that they got a reason to get this dynamic presence on the screen because I would say it is Robin Williams's performance and his character as well as uh, Lambeau's character. I, I really like their different approaches and presentation of like different kinds of academics, which we can get into later. But aside from their characters themselves, Robin Williams's presence on screen uh, really, I think really is the key to how successful this movie was. Yes. If we wanted Affleck and Damon to make a Boston movie, and we gave them a budget, they would, and it would be a cult classic, probably. But it would not out, like be at the level that this mm-hmm. movie is. Without probably, good point to
0: however many Kevin Smith movies you want to.
1: Yeah, I, I'm curious. I know this isn't something we really planned for, so if it takes more than a few seconds to think of it, what what is your favorite Damon Affleck combo film?
2: Dogma. <laughs> I that's I, I had a hard time not going with that one. I, I either that or chasing Amy. Is it is it funny to think about with those two that Affleck's like portrayal in some of those early movies, and then his his gradual ascent to like trying to be, t- be taken more seriously, and clearly you know even before Argo, but clearly he does. And then we get to like Batman with like a, he he wants to be like known as a, a master of his craft. Whereas Matt Damon has taken the path where like he kind of ramped up to that quick and then wanted to not I'm not gonna say settle for mediocrity, but settle for not quite such highbrow things. He he did uh you know some bits on 30 rock. He shows up on SNL, he uh The Martian was it, it won its Golden Globe for best comedy or musical. Like his his sites, their sites, even though they, they kind of start in the same place have been a little different. I like, I like coming back to this 97 where it was so big for kind of Uh, what they got.
0: I read as well that on their, their first day of shooting uh, with this being like really the first thing that uh, Damon and Affleck made one of the first scenes, if not the first scene that they shot was just a scene of uh, Robin Williams and Stellan Skarsgård talking to each other. And there were a bunch of tears in the room at that time, because. They were just thinking like, holy crap, these are two huge name celebrities reading our script. Isn't that insane?
3: Uh-huh.
1: I've got kind of an interesting take on this. I I feel like Matt Damon has always had like the cameo funny thing in his blood. Like, I'll I'll take it back the Euro trip and Scotty doesn't know. And that's 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 and that's in his heyday. That's right. He's a lead singer. during the meat of what Matt Damon was doing. He took time off to be this you know, punk singer in one scene with one of the weirdest, funniest songs ever. And then you fast forward to, to basically present day <laughs> and him playing fake Loki on a stage production of Thor movies. In a Thor movie, like, (laughs) I I just feel like this is what Matt Damon does.
2: Doesn't Matt Damon have an ongoing bit with, is it Jimmy Kimmel? It's one of those late night shows where he's, he's kind of, he kind of serves as the nemesis to uh, one of these late night hosts. Sorry, it's not, it's not confirmed off the top of my head, but he has like shown up several, several times to like act as the foil for, you know, essentially the type of widespread comedy of late night tv like you're right he's always had that to him
1: and i mean and it's not that he doesn't do really really like hardcore dramatic pieces anymore i just think he sprinkles it in there with stuff that he wants to do and and gets a jolly out of so you know you you go back let's just go back in the last couple years you have movies like the last duel and ford versus ferrari that were you know very heavily dramatic response places. But then you also have, you know, actor Loki, Jay and Silent Bob reboot, uh, Deadpool two, um, like just, just random stuff. And then I I don't know what happened with the great wall,
3: but there was,
1: uh, so, you know, like, but, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because you know what happened after the great wall he did Ford versus Fer- uh, Ferrari. So, like,
0: who cares? If he, it doesn't matter. It feels like... He lo- or Suburbicon. He loves to mess around, but also loves to make sure that we know that he's still fantastic. Like, I didn't watch... Yeah. What was it called? Stillwater that came out this year? Uh, but I didn't see that either. I, I heard it was really good. Or, like, his uh, contributions to Interstellar were fantastic, I think.
1: Yeah, Interstellar uh, was great. He just um, loves just the other throwing
0: stuff in there to show you, that. Like, oh, yeah, this guy he can act.
1: Right. Uh and then he can do like serious silly too, something like monuments man. So, you know, it it is what it is. So, uh, yeah, I don't uh I don't really see a he didn't pull a Cuba Gooden junior. It wasn't I got my Oscar bleh, like here's whatever, you know, like he didn't just start doing anything and everything for money. Uh and Ben Affleck I feel like has done the same thing. He's kept a fairly even keel with maybe a little bit less of the silly stuff and I feel like
0: that fits Ben Affleck as an actor too. I think Batman's
2: pretty silly. I think with Matt Damon here we get a I mean he gets nominated for this performance, right? Uh mm-hmm. there's there's Matt Damon's performance and then there's just Will Hunting the character. <laughs> Andres, would do you do you like Will Hunting? As presented? I think kind of a tough question.
0: In regards to is this someone who you think uh, we see consistently when people get to a certain level with him, that's when stuff starts to go sideways. Even with him blowing up a bit with Chucky in that one in the scene at the scrapyard, whenever anyone tries to get to a certain level with him, he'll push back. So I think if, if it's just a buddy that you wanted to go have drinks <laughs> Drinks with or whatnot, probably a nice guy, but I don't know if it's someone you could really get close to until he starts to figure himself out more.
2: You understand that uh he can begin to get prickly when you either get too close or when you uh start to I guess there is a you said it, there's like a level where like once you hit it, then it becomes completely unpleasant. And we see a lot of it in this movie. So, like, as as the protagonist, I guess, as our as our guy, we want to see succeed. uh, He gives you a lot of reasons to show, like, he's immature or uh, he's not growing, and that's what that's what makes, I think, the progression of his character and the uh, the plot of the movie so rewarding is that I I don't think he's inherently likable in the first hour hour fifteen.
1: One might postulate. Would anybody you first meet from Southie Boston be super <laughs> presentable right off the bat or, or in its longevity? I, the thing that I really like about Matt Damon's character in this, and Robin Williams like hits a nail on the head, is it's how you kind of approach friendship. I think you can put up a lot if you know that the people who are with you are, are ride or die. That's one of the things that I really appreciate about the the grouping, the the four amigos. In this, is you know he's telling Stellan Skarsgård later the reason he hangs out with these guys, the reason he loves these guys is because he knows any one of them would take a bullet for him. And yeah. there's a lot to be said for that. That that level of of comfort, familiarity, and loyalty is is not only hard to come by, but it's it's frankly more impressive more often than not than a gigantic IQ.
0: I, I especially appreciated exactly how uh, Sean puts it in the movie, where he doesn't say that they would take a bullet for him; they would say they would put a bullet in you.
1: Okay, well, let's talk about Gus Van Sant for a second. Um, he is the director of this film. He has a couple other notables, but he is not, you know, prolific per se as a director. So, uh, what are we? What are how are we feeling about Gus Van Sant, Andres?
0: Well, the first uh, fun thing to note that I, I realized is that this movie uh, grossed more than all of his other movies combined. It, this, I do not doubt that at all. This was his big heavy hitter. I, you know, I'm, I'm curious how
1: uh, Damon and Affleck got hooked up with him because I was yeah, going same. through his, uh, his directorial information and I was shocked by just how much of it is music videos. Like this guy works a lot with musicians and uh, I would say well over half of his, his credits are music videos and documentary films on musicians.
2: We, the, the one right before this was to die for with Nicole Kidman. Mm -hmm. And I would say it was an artistic movie. And I think I remembered the thing about music videos, this movie, this movie is special and I do hold it in high regard, but I, I think it was a combo with the Danny Elfman soundtrack And, uh, I'm not, I'm not like an architectural, like visual guy about like, you know, the streets that frequently, but uh, I will say there's a lot in this movie. Maybe it's the, the crampness of the rooms that they're in sometimes, but I do feel like this movie is artistic. It's not like avant-garde, but I feel like there's a, it's something that even though I have not seen most of Gus Van Sant's movies, I feel like that's a staple of his is, highbrow art aside from just an entertaining movie because when the highbrow art also breaks 300 million that's that's the the rare combo uh
0: the movie was almost not directed by Gus Van Sant but rather by Mel Gibson which uh yeah I don't know about that uh Uh, apparently Damon and Affleck themselves talked Gibson out of being the director and got. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and got uh, Gus Van Sant <laughs> instead. Uh,
1: I I also oh, wow. wonder if uh, I think it was five years later was Finding Forrester. I you could just see that. somebody. <laughs> oh, I, 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 I could just see somebody like I forgot I just see somebody walking up to Gus Van Sant and being like, "Yeah, all right, we want Goodwill Hunting, but with Sean Connery now. We shall have a stately actor tutoring a young naive person." Into fulfilling their potential in another film, like if you had told me he directed almost famous, that would have been more understandable to me, yeah. given his body of work. Do you think that his style of storytelling in here I'm not sure if if I can point toward a movie prior to Goodwill Hunting that brought him to the attention of
2: these two? to make their movies. For, for myself, there are a couple of directors who the names are for film fans, their household, but for casual fans, they might not be. And so like, for instance, like Luke Besson for me or Luke Besson, like that's, that's a director who I will go see their movies. Even if I am not pulled by the story or the trailer, uh and sometimes it's a swing and a miss but so far of only the handful of 4 or 5 of Gus Van Sant's that I've watched I haven't caught a miss yet they've been special and I I like you know artistic movies experiential perhaps I think this one was boosted by the the strong and unique story of the janitor savant who puts up walls against everyone it's a combo of his style and also you know credit to Damon and Affleck for this story. You know, even though we are focused mostly on Damon, I think Affleck's character and what he represents is extremely important to the success of this movie.
1: On previous watches, I was definitely missing Ben Affleck's purpose, true purpose in this Mm -hmm. film, you know, as more than just the best friend. Uh, He ends up playing the role of basically the, the surrogate parent kicking the the child who's been in the house too long out uh because you know given uh will hunting's you know upbringing and whatnot no one else was there to do it and
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know call it the silent bob monologue that means so much more to the film than than you know his silent presence uh you know that that it, go back and forth between him and, and will hunting at the construction site was so important to this film I also interject one I want to interject one other thing here. Um if Mel Gibson had directed this movie, <laughs> the movies that he also directed that would have bookended either side of this would have been Braveheart in 1995 and Passion of the Christ in 2004. So this movie came out in 1997. Wow. So you would pl- you would plug Goodwill Hunting in between Braveheart and Passion of the Christ on Mel Gibson's directorial uh
0: What a trilogy that is.
2: In <laughs> <laughs> yeah, alternate so, universe. Yeah.
1: I so, think we can all agree it's best that it happened how it happened.
0: Yes. Uh I wanted to add to your uh, comment on the Ben Affleck's performance, especially during that uh, construction site scene. The uh I believe I read somewhere that him uh his monologue about i really hope that one day i show up and you just aren't there that you just left and right. say anything i believe that is the first thing that they wrote for the movie uh period that's where they started and i think that makes a lot of sense because it feels so integral to everything
2: well andreas it makes me think of something that i was actually going to save this sentiment until later when i ranked the movie I, I think it's easy to look at this as like uh, Will Hunting's like story, but the way I like to look at it now is, is we've got four extreme forces on Will here. We've got Sean, we have Dr. Lambeau, or Professor Lambeau, we have mm-hmm. Skylar, and then also uh, Chuck. We have four people that care about Will so much that they are, th- they are hungry to help him, a man, a young man who really doesn't want any help. And I think that might be, it wasn't in the plot summary. It's the style, it's, if, if you are, Andrea saying that the first thing they wrote was like a tough love buddy to buddy statement, which is, I hope someday I walk up to your house and, I, and you're not there anymore. Like that by itself really shows like that's a special type of care. And so you have laser beams of care coming from whether it's best friend, whether it's love, whether it is ambition and skill, or whether it's just let the boy do what he wants to do. You have it coming from so many different directions. And that is what really made this special to me is it's about the people that care for him, not about his own. Like nobody breaks down the wall by themselves. And I I thought that. That was, upon this most recent viewing, maybe the thing that stood out the most. That makes sense. I like that.
1: Uh, I realize, uh, per a lot of uh, websites, and it could even be the film itself, uh, how it's, it does the cast in, uh, in terms of appearance on screen. Um, did it bother anybody else that the entire Barbershop Quartet was listed before yes, Mini driver?
2: It did. It did bother me. <laughs>
1: It's just so stark. It's barbershop quartet one through four.
2: Right.
1: MIT three MIT students and whatever. And then it's like, oh yeah, Mini Driver. And it's <laughs> it's it's really just it I don't know. I like, I'm not a fan of them doing it that way. I I like I like billing people in
0: in terms of importance to a film. It's interesting you say that because initially the producers did not care to have Mini driver be in the movie as Skyler initially they s- simply were saying that she
2: was not pretty enough, which is of course psychotic, ridiculous you know she she gets nominated too, and I'll say her performance is weighted towards the back half for me because I wasn't quite sure what her role would be. you know when I watched it as younger, I was just like, okay, love interest here. Uh, but, you know, I was trying to understand the importance of, of her care. And uh, when she's getting emotional about Will not saying that he loved her back, that's some hard hitting, you know, she's 27 at the time or 26 at filming, likely playing a, you know, inheritance college student going to expensive schools. And we know that that's one of the things that like Will will kind of fight about is like oh, the money, the money. It's not about the money, but I, I think her if we start if we look at it from the very beginning, it really ramps up in either skill or stage presence. Uh, so, so you're saying uh, you weren't
0: blown away by uh, I could play
2: basketball, I could be in the WNBA. It's cute. It's pillow talk. That's all that was. Supposed oh no, no,
1: no to be. she said NBA. I don't think there was a WNBA yet.
2: No, it's NBA. She can play in the NBA. She likes sure. wearing she can shorts. The- I see. She can Will dunk. I
1: play in the NBA?
2: Hook, hook, dunk, dunk, she says. just decidedly so. The classic, the classic British uh, way of looking at the NBA, <laughs> hook, hook, dunk, dunk. Uh, so like, the, the pillow talk is fine. The, it, the wait, it wasn't just
1: the British view. That's what was going on in the NBA at that time.
2: <laughs> hook, hook, dunk, dunk. As we all we all remember. So yeah, the, the the in the toy store where they're doing the magic trick thing, like that's that's fine, and that's a dime a dozen. It's when she's sort of bearing her heart that really, really was well done on her part. And I, you know, while while you were talking just a minute ago, I was looking through her filmography. I realized that I know her, but I haven't seen her in a lot. I know her so well. I mean, the first thing I was going to say was uh, she she gets the role of, you know, the, the diva Carlotta in the Phantom of the Opera movie. Uh, so she's got some pipes on her too. So like there's, I feel like I've seen her in more, but for some reason it's just, I'm, I'm missing it. But uh, I think she was deserved of her accolades in this as well. She is
1: actually list like her film listings is extensive. Like I feel like she is one of, for her age, she has one of the longest lists of Like, she's kind of in a lot of stuff, but not necessarily a lot of stuff that you have
2: seen. Yeah, she's still working, too.
1: Yeah, I will forever remember her for and be, you know, endearingly in love with her from gross point blank. So, Hmm. yeah, that's top 10 movie all time for me. I absolutely loved it. And she's one of the primary characters who doesn't show up until well into the movie again. Uh, for that one. So, uh, yeah, that one will likely make a, an appearance as a, uh, as a dealer's choice at some point if, if it doesn't get shortlisted sooner or later.
2: Do either of the two of you know, is she, uh, for Harvard, is she getting her undergraduate or is she a graduate student and then going on to get her doctorate at Stanford later? Is that, is it the second thing?
1: That was medical school. It might've been a residency at Stanford. Maybe,
2: maybe that's it. Yeah. I, I mean, 27, like she, she looks exactly like, cause there's, there's a certain amount of college students that are definitely chilled childlike. And then there's a, you know, the, the late seniors and the graduate students that are like, okay, no, these are just very young adults still. And I think she fits perfectly. I, it was believable.
0: This may be reading a bit too much into it, but I kind of took it as intentionally vague uh, Seeing what? part of school she's in because it kind of feels like she's Hmm. part of the whole like academia
2: merry-go-round
0: that will hunting just does not want to know anything about
1: well well, two things on that just context clues like she is still in a dorm that's part of it you had to wait for for other girls to come out before (laughs) that's right Hold, hold that door uh-huh. Uh, so he, she is still in the dorms. Uh, two, she references organic chemistry, which Jess definitely did in
2: undergraduate. Undergrad. So yeah.
1: I would say that there's a fair amount of evidence to say that she's an undergraduate student and was accepted into medical school, like uh-huh. general medical school at Stanford, uh, prior to going to residency. Would be my guess.
2: You know, th- this this particular topic makes me think of. Uh, I think it's a discussion of organic chemistry when they're at the cafe. They are outside talking about. I believe she asks him at that moment, Do you have a photographic memory? And yeah. He begins to explain about how he is the way he is. Is there something about like Will Hunting's like superpower here that changes this movie for you? You kind of just have to
0: let the movie just let him have it. Sure. And I think for this one, we're just meant to acknowledge, okay. The guy's smart.
2: I'm glad that there are people in his life that understand how special he is, though. Um, and I think he does recognize it. Like, yeah, I know this stuff. This is e- you know how easy this is for me? I loved that scene. Um, you know, he's got the Fields Medal winner uh, on his knees uh, trying to <laughs> salvage the burned paper. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it really does make him special. I think, I think this movie – tell me what you think about this statement. This movie would be successful if he wasn't a one in 10 billion genius. If he was not quite that high. What do you think about that?
1: I I like the, I don't want to call it an omnipotence piece, but
3: I think that it adds to the tragedy of his upbringing that he was so
1: downtrodden and destroyed as a young person that it took literally three of the greatest minds in a geographic area to pull him back to a, to the assumption that he lives up to his potential you don't actually like outside of the fact that they got him out of boston you don't actually get any any more clarity onto what i mean he he literally leaves a job that he accepted so (laughs) so so presumably he's still in a crap car driving west to a girl who may not accept him back
0: what a what a fantastic ending i thought that was where it had zero to do with the ability that he had it was as simple as that part just didn't matter to what his choice was and will he use it later maybe but the point
2: is he's actually made a choice finally w- willing to be vulnerable willing to go after the girl that challenges him uh, after listening to sean kind of realizing that maybe sean's description of the way that he has lived his life without regrets has i think uh, allowed will to take the first step whereas he typically would not want to uh, so yeah uh, i know brian you're always the i want a little more guy Do you like this ending?
1: Oh, no, I'm completely fine with it. Because nobody really gets what they want in this film. Like, many drivers left brokenhearted. Uh, Will is left seemingly in a better headspace, but with no general clarity to his future. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård, or excuse me, Stellan Skarsgård is left holding the bag i i don't know what strings he pulled to do everything he did for for matt damon but but basically like hey like he's got at least a dozen people calling up and saying hey remember that time that uh you wanted us to interview this guy and he came in and extorted (laughs) us for all the money in our wallet like he's not in a great space um i would say the only person that gets out of this film in a truly hundred percent positive way is Robin Williams Sean, character. yeah, And, and even that is fraught with, you know, he's saying he's going to put his chips on the table, go and travel a little bit. Well, that's all fine and good. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the, the truly lovely thing about this film is that you're forced to find happiness in the unknown. You know, people like to have a nice wrapped up ending where, You know, er, someone's happy or everyone's happy. No one truly got what they wanted, but there's the promise of it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, kind of a contentness with what is to come. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. I wonder, because, you know, certain comedians are known for this. I wonder if Sean's last line, the oh, he stole my line. I wonder if that was a Robin Williams ad lib or it was, if that was written was. for him. I
0: know, I know that for certain. He was supposed oh, to just wow. chuckle and go back in, but he came up with that on his own. <laughs> it's good stuff. I'm more
1: curious, like, how much longer after this ending until they find Casey Affleck in a dumpster? Um,
0: <laughs> Morgan.
1: Cole, Morgan. Cole, 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 Cole. Hauser's clearly got some serious... Alcohol abuse issues. I feel like that's that's gotta be a thing coming up. Uh uh Ben Affleck's wondering where he's, you know, gonna end up marrying the chick with the missing tooth.
3: And <laughs> there's no other tu-
1: he's gonna turn around and wake up fifty. Like I like I the the, the characters in this film are almost as compelling as the the intellects. Because I'm as interested in in their future as I am in the world breaking, you know. And I'll also say one more thing, just because we didn't really get to to talk about it. I feel like there were far too many I'm not gonna call them montages, but there are far too many cutscenes to Will sitting in his barren Stark apartment basically reading a page every ten seconds to say that he doesn't have uh, a photographic memory. I would say that's a hundred percent. I'd say that he doesn't maybe know exactly how to clarify that. That's exactly what he has. But when he's reading every psychiatrist's book and whatever else, you know, he's going through. I mean, he's turning those pages with the quickness. I'd say that photographic memory is a slam dunk. Yeah, especially when he quotes uh, line and page to uh, Michael Bolton look alike in, uh, Bol- yeah, in the in yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So. Uh, Yeah, I'd say photographic memory is a slam dunk, and, and that was either an evasion or not quite sure how he really wanted to address his uh, talent.
2: When y'all were young, when y'all were 20 and younger, did you feel as if that you had a whole lot of answers and that the world was foolish for not have stumbled onto the answers that you arrived at sooner? Because I was, and 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 when I was getting to college, I was like, I've figured a lot of this out, and man, it's great when you look back at like your twenty or twenty-one year old self when you're twenty-six or when you're thirty. Look back at like, there's, it's like it's a recurring thing, and this is another like theme of this, uh, especially that Sean recognizes that you really think you have all the answers, you really think you have. Oh, well, you know, I read all your books. Hey, I read your book, man. I know, I know your stuff. Like, and that's like, you feel as if you, you are infallible. Um, and I think that's represented in will is that like, well, yeah, I read, I read this stuff. So I know, or if I'm going to trash this painting because of some of the things, like, I, I think that's, uh, I'm not going to immature is the wrong word, but it's indicative of like, the saying, a little bit of knowledge is dangerous. Um, I, I wanted to ask you two if you remembered yourselves at that age.
0: <laughs> I, I guess I have a, a bit of a funny perspective within that question, being as a, I, I am 21 currently. I think you hit the nail on the head where it comes to that whole overconfidence of how much you know. Once you know a little bit, you feel like you've got it all. Until you learn more, you realize how much you don't know. It's It's very easy to get caught up in thinking, well, clearly we should behave this way. Why don't we? And it takes a lot of time to realize there are so many reasons why people choose not to do this, even if it may be a better choice.
1: I would say for me, like, I, I suppose if I went back in time... And yeah, well, Brian, actually- yeah, I,
2: I am thinking, like, didn't you think that like you looked to your left and looked to your right and you were just like, I'm smarter than these schmucks, I know what I'm doing. Like, do you remember <sighs> thinking that?
1: I I've 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 at times I've I've always said that I'm either the most optimistic nihilist in the world or the you know most uh negative optimist in the world. <laughs> I've always kind of done self-reflection in terms of like categories of like 5 years and uh it, to to oddly quote a Reliant K song title uh, who I am hates who I've been. Hmm. So it's it's not necessarily that I think I knew it all, whether or not I came across that way or not, but it's more that as time has changed, I've self-reflectively gone back and really embarrassingly annihilated myself for <laughs> a lot of stupid things. So it's it I I don't know really how to put it because I don't feel like I ever felt like I knew it all or I had some some you know epithetical grasp on on what's going on better than anyone else. It's more that I've you know done a certain thing for so long that I'm like, "Oh god, I'm so dumb." You know, Why?
2: some of what you just said makes me kind of jump to my next point, which is Sean says to will, "You've never woken up with a woman and been happy, or you've never loved there are things that you haven't done like you you look at the a, a book but you've never smelled of the Sistine Chapel like there's so many things there of you know old man kind of putting young man in his place, which isn't always well done it's very well done here. It makes me think well." I don't know how happy Will really was ever presented or content with anything. And it's a, it makes me think, how does he feel about this image that he presents of maybe aggressive and confrontational is the only way you can be that way with all that knowledge, the way that he goes up to Clark, you know, uh, at, the, at the bar in front of Minnie Driver and her, and her friend. Like, the only way to live with that knowledge or persona is to be aggressive or to be hanging out with other aggressive style people. Like, it's it's a strange character, how do I want to put this, like a a view on how was he, because he's, cause he's still so young, there's so much life ahead of it's like a drop in the bucket. So, like to to think of the reasons why he devotes so much time to reading these books and, and being this way, how long would it have lasted before? I mean, yeah, we do see him nearly punch someone's head off, but I think that was his only. Yeah, but that
1: out. guy used to kick his ass all the time back in
2: elementary school. So, how, how, how much longer did we have before? I mean, what's next if he doesn't get found and introduced to Sean? I, I don't really know. It's it's this is this is why I love this show because it's, it's more than just what we saw in the movie. It's thinking about these characters when they're well done, but what could have been or what would have been, and instead we got to see the path diverted into still not a not a solid answer, just sort of what could be.
1: Might have been the Unabomber. <laughs>
2: That's right. You heard of Ted Kaczynski? No, who is that?
1: Uh, no, there's a ton of what-ifs with this. And obviously someone with the, the grasp that this guy has on mathematics that could have ended very poorly one day. Um, I think that's one of the, the real angles that this movie takes is not only is there a redemptive state to be had from a young person who had such a troubling upbringing, but you, know, you have Sean who really needed the same like you have to have both sides of that coin you have the the one who hasn't experienced and the one who's had so much experience that the weight of that world has crushed them and and they both free each other yeah i i feel like that that too i mean how many shrinks do you know can say (laughs) oh before we saved each other you know this whole thing started with my hands
2: around his throat
1: <laughs> so you know
2: <laughs> i almost feel like it was we have a
1: healthy relationship
2: i almost feel like it was a necessary part of that relationship right oh
1: 100% yeah i mean he had to know that he wasn't messing with someone that he could definitely push around
2: physically yeah the, i think what you said about like them kind of saving each other i, I, I the only thing that about Sean's life that I don't know if it was done on purpose. I think it's kind of a known thing, but they show him teaching at a community college. Like it's the worst thing. And mm-hmm. it's a common media thing to be like community college sucks. But I, in general, I'd like to say, I'd like to go on the rock record and say, Hey, it's good for a lot of people. And there's talented teachers there and there's talented students there too, but they do. It's, it's so common to be like, Oh, because he's the T he's not an MIT. He's at, the Community college, oh, he his life must suck, which and, is I mean, directly the, what uh
0: Lambeau thinks,
2: yeah. And the movie shows you like his home life, like Sean's home life, you know, it's lonely, it's messy, and you know, he's looking at the bottom of the bottle probably a little too frequently. So they do, they do enough to show you that like it's not going great for him, but he doesn't have to feel he, he's not the failure that Lambeau thinks he believes he is.
1: I also think you could kind of draw it as a microcosm or macrocosm to Will's situation where you could say that Will has no problem working construction the rest of his life. It's an honorable trade. Well, Sean's working, you know, teaching at a community college. That's an honorable trade. Like mm-hmm. They both have, have basically – I don't want to say hamstrung themselves because I actually believe in both of those statements that both of those things are worthy things to be done yeah. by – a person of, of any level of intellect. So, but they, they are both in, in a cycle, uh, just different cycles of their life. And a,
2: a different kind of mental prison. Right. Yeah. And different reasons for it. There there are few movies where talking about the movie is as good as or better than watching the movie. This movie was very good, so I'm not going to immediately say it's better than that, but I really like this kind of delving into the, the character. And we, you know, I don't know if it was by choice. Maybe it's important to at least mention, but we do have the childhood physical trauma that both of our, I think our main leads kind of share. It's not something I want to particularly dwell on, but I do think it's important to the character's histories, if not only for that they share it.
1: Did they ever actually go into where Stellan Skarsgard is from? Because I was trying to make a connection <laughs> between well, well, I mean, obviously he's Scandinavian, but yeah. um I just I was trying to make a connection when I was going through my intricate weavings for my superlatives and stuff like that. Like, you've got Will Hunting, who is attracted to this British girl. And that's his main emotional connection in this film. Now, you have Sean's character with Robin Williams where his wife is passed. So, his main emotional connection in this is his old roommate, Stellan Skarsgård, presumably also foreign in some way. So, I was just curious. And and hmm. they both view that other person as as having more or been given more or, you know, presumably this – you know, you don't understand what it's like to be us, to both. Um, no. Even though many driver has lost her parents and all she has is is her the, the money she got from losing her parents, which was very traumatic in and of itself. But then you have Stellan Skarsgård's piece, where also for an, you know, talking at them to, instead of to them. So I'm just kind of tr- trying to you know,
0: draw out the parallels. I think there is something there. I don't remember the exact line, but in the, I believe the main scene of the, like the big fight between Sean and Lambeau, uh, they, uh, Sean mentioned something like back in college where you didn't know, even know what side of the bed to, to piss on or something like that. It's like he just doesn't. So that makes sense that he was from somewhere else, did not know what he was doing. Yeah. He said which side of the bed to piss off of. And I'm like,
1: why are you pissing off your bed? Like, is this like a 90s thing? We used to put the bucket next to the bed so we didn't have to get up. Like, what?
0: You didn't do that in college?
1: No, no. I, I stumbled myself into the little closet bathroom that adjoined my room with my roommate's room. Not Not to get too too graphic on air, you can cut this if you want, but my uh, my, my greatest defeat of college was taking a left turn instead of a right turn down the, uh, the wrong highway and uh, peeing into my papa's on chair, which was vaguely equidistant in the wrong direction from our restroom. Oh no so that, 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 that was my grandest uh college uh defeat in terms of of peeing off the side of a bed.
2: Yeah. oh man i got into a physical altercation with a roommate for where he decided to pee and i talked to him on the phone just three hours ago what <laughs> what a crazy cosmic coincidence uh because he's getting married and he wanted me to give a speech <laughs> so i said okay will i yeah
1: i know what your speech has got to be right
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man that might make the top 10 of uh, oh. the things we went through together yeah. I you know I was thinking that I don't know where Gerald Lambeau is from, but I think part of the idea is that like you can be completely unremarkable and the, the type of talent that you have or the type of hard work that you put into like at grad school, you can either become a Sean or a Lambeau. And, and I, I, I didn't, I think he came from someplace unremarkable. I don't remember it being important and maybe it's, important that we it it could be literally anything. It doesn't have to be some type of privilege. And I'm not certain that we really even needed to know the privilege of mini drivers, Skylar's inheritance. I don't know if it added much except for fuel for a later argument. But um that argument was impactful regardless of the inheritance part. I want to say that the importance there
0: was simply that it's someone that Will sees in a very one dimensional way of this is a rich person and does not think about those extra levels. Even when he understands that she's an orphan, he doesn't. That's not something that his brain immediately goes to. He's thinking she's just a rich person. She doesn't understand.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: I think that's a lesson of the movie, though. I, 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 in myself included, I don't think. Anyone ever really does attempt to delve deeper into another person's, you know, ghosts? All of these people that we're talking about in this film have an investment in someone else in this film. So whether it's Lambo and Sean in Will, or Will in Mini Driver's character, and vice versa, but you know, it, it forces them to say, okay, you know, what what are the You know, what are the skeletons in the closet? And when faced with them, you know, they do or do not try to deal in appropriate ways. Well, you know, that's true of the person who, you know, is behind the counter at your local gas station too. So, I don't think there's anything particularly special about Will and Sean's uh, issues with domestic violence as children, but it clearly shaped who... They became, for better or for worse, but it's not something that that gets delved into for any other reason than shared experience in this film. And I think one of the messages of the film is you see people and they come across as cocky or arrogant, or dismissive or anything like that, but you have no idea what what lies behind that.
2: Hmm. Well, I mean, let's let's look at, and I I don't want to step on anybody's superlatives, but. Maybe the one of the more oft aside from the do you like apples? How about them apples? Aside from that, maybe the most alluded to scene from this movie is the repetition of It's Not Your Fault at the end. At nearly the end. And I suppose this is like a pickaxe at the wall. Then again, I mean, Will has already opened up so well with Sean, but uh, that repetition, like that's a special scene. That scene can't, it it, it doesn't exist on the page like in dialogue well. It's more than the sum of its parts. Uh, Robin Williams, Sean like gradually approaching with repeating it and Matt Damon's real like expressions of emotion are incredibly powerful then we get just a little a little pan out shot not not nothing crazy but like it was it's very impactful but i i have to think that that results back to um that shared experience
0: i have a Uh, bit of a a funny story with that scene honestly recently about a year ago i made my my best friend watch this movie and there are certain we are both people that are prone to being more emotional during movies especially when watching them for the first time uh-huh. and so there's certain movies that we will watch alone rather than together because that's just a better setting for it's it safer. yeah you don't
2: want to cry with your bro <laughs> uh
0: and uh well, well sometimes but uh, that very much occurred during this scene and neither of us uh-huh. really expected that to happen and it was a uh, very surprising to suddenly go oh yeah we're, we're, he- we're here now
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i'm like that when uh when boromir calls aragorn his king
1: <laughs> i want a tally of how many times you've cry- cried over a sean bean
0: death <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> not again Not
0: again. i cried when um, he was fired <clears> in the martian
1: <laughs> um there there are three tears to sean's involvement with will that i could tell one was acceptance you go through the whole thing we're in a staring contest we're in a game of silences where he's like he has got to be the one who talks first so that's that's number one number two they get into this place where they're buddies he talks to him like he's just another guy from the block and and make no mistake my biggest takeaway from the end where will's driving away no matter what greatness he goes on to He is still Jenny from the block.
2: I don't know, Ben. I don't know how Ben Affleck did it, man. (laughs) I don't know how he did it, man.
1: When he gives that forgiveness piece, that was him doing his job. Like he befriends him. He gets past that icy exterior. That's not what, what his purpose was there to be his buddy, to be the guy he gets to talk to. So he stays out of jail and he breaks through that next wall, that third wall. To get to the point where he's saying, Look, you need to absolve yourselves for these perceived sins of the past because yeah. you were stabbed and beaten by someone who had power over you. So so there were th- really three stages to this, and there were three stages to this movie. And you see, you know, Matt Damon stumble his way, as he should given, you know, the traumas, stumble his way through those three stages into, you know, a Frankly, driving off into the sunset ending, which isn't a happy ending in the way that you see him with the girl, with the good job, with the, you know, changing the world, but just the the hope that you're leaving these characters in a better place. Except Stellan Skarsgård, which I'm fairly certain he just, I don't think he got anything out of this outside of some- Maybe some some people mad at him.
2: Maybe he can afford to be dropped down a peg though, man. I don't remember that many professors getting applause when they left a room. He's got a hand man always walking him around. He's got a personal assistant uh, who that's a a little performance too. Yeah.
3: Who's
1: frankly (laughs) horrendously jealous of will hunting. I know this poor guy. Like he's a henchman. He's a hundred percent a henchman. And you know, and and he wouldn't be that henchman if he wasn't incredibly bright himself. Sometimes yeah, people like get he, lucky. He, he wouldn't,
2: Sometimes uh, people get lucky, right? He says yeah. something else too, which is like, uh, yeah, from what I can tell, he really likes to work with you instead of just like I'm work here, against you. you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's there's there's some real for, for for the three lines that dude has. There's some real emotion there.
1: But I will say this too: like I, I never got the impression that Stellan Skarsgård was ever using. Like I,
2: right? I, I, it, yeah. I
1: never got that impression. It was always like, "Do you understand? You can change the world, and you could be so much better than me." And you know, it, it, it was always, "I'm a stepping stone to elevate you." And I think I feel like a lot of people in academia, it would see that. The opposite way, like he would, he would view that person as a threat. So, yeah. the The one nice thing about this is the only antagonist in the entire movie is the protagonist.
2: Yeah, and everybody is wanting to help them with seemingly no strings attached. Uh, like it, it, it's it could easily have been like, especially for Skarsgård, it could easily be that like oh, Lambeau is actually looking to. Milk this prize cow. No, he's actually just trying to. I mean, it, it is. It is like I want you to take this path because it was my path. I mean, it, it's selfish in that way, but he does it because he sees the the good that can come from it for Will, uh, and that's why you know when I mentioned thirty minutes ago that, that you have four different sources of care, and uh, sometimes like you know movies don't do a great job with with friendship sometimes, but this one does. And this one has just the right amount of romantic love. You know, we don't have too much. And then you have two like competing mentorships in a way. It, it's it, that was that was really special.
1: And I think it, it, it irritates Skarsgård that Sean is able to do what he can't. And it, you know, after he goes through the the litany of people that he uh yeah. not necessarily respects more, but. You always have that person that you're less inclined to ask for help even though that might be the exact yep. right person mm-hmm. to ask for help. And like that I feel like Scarsgard and Williams's inner interchange, their their dynamic in this film is almost more compelling than the story of Will Hunting
0: <laughs> on on my most recent watch. Uh, I was showing the movie to my girlfriend, and it was that was seemed to be the part that she was most interested in. In the movie, actually, was their relationship.
1: And and I will say this: you have the South Boston quartet, and how they interact with each other, and how they befriend each other, and, and the way they communicate, and then you have the X MIT alumni way where mm-hmm. I swear it was straight out of one of those bar scenes where he walks in. and He goes, listen, Sean, I know <laughs> me too. <laughs> like that's, 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 I, I swear that is something that, that only happens with men. It is, it, it it's so funny to me. I watched that, that scene a couple of times. I rewound it a couple of times with this grin on my face because it's one of those things where you could have a fist fight with a good friend the night before, wake up the next morning, both of you with an ice pack on your face and be like, hey, man. Yeah, I know.
3: Yeah. Tea, Me yeah. too, man. <laughs> like, got coffee over so, there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. – it, it is it is something that only happens in certain vacuums and, and I feel like that – it is equal – in every way, shape and form to the friendships that will has with his Southie friends.
2: Yeah. And you know, not everybody interacts, but there is a lot of interaction outside of our protagonist antagonist, which is uh, you, you do have uh, the great relationship between Sean and Lambeau. You have Skylar interacting with the four, like the friends at the bar with, which is a great little scene. Um, now you don't have Skylar interacting with other, the, the two older gentlemen, but like a, aside from that, This world does seem small, and they they interact with one another.
1: Indeed, indeed. So uh, how do you feel about jumping into some uh, superlatives?
0: I like it. I'm all about it.
1: All right, so we will kick this off with our MVP. Andres?
0: I can't pick anyone other than Matt Damon. His performance was so key to this. He's the one who started it, with Affleck, of course. And I think it's clear that it was his movie. I always think of this as the Matt Damon movie. So he has to be my MVP.
1: Dustin, who is your MVP?
2: Robin Williams. Uh, I think I connected with his character the most Brian, you might know I I used to teach and I I used to think that the biggest impact I could have was a student like outside of the classroom. And it seems like that's so his thing. And, uh, it, it's. I could probably gush on and on I don't have to we know how Good his performance was so for me it's Robin
1: uh, I picked Robin Williams too I'm curious Though that Given the age difference between You and I and Andreas if We would have chosen one of the Younger characters
2: Hmm yeah If
1: we had done this 15 years Ago
2: would I have picked Morgan I don't know he's pretty <laughs> it's wicked Funny
0: uh, I think almost all of Casey's lines were ad-libbed. I don't think he had a script.
1: <laughs> I I scarily enough believe that's
2: true. The VCI is <laughs> in your mom's room. <laughs> you got another VCI?
3: Uh,
1: that's such an awkward scene. I was just like, <laughs> really? why is. does he have a baseball glove? I was like, oh, come on. It's
0: you, my little league glove. You know, someone tried to cut that scene and they went, no, uh, we need so No
2: way. We <laughs> must keep that uh, in.
1: God! All right, uh, best supporting actor,
0: hundreds. Again, I for the same reasons as before, I had to go with Ben. The two of them making this felt so important. I don't often have instances in which I say I like Ben Affleck or love him, <laughs> and so I, I had to go with Ben and for the support, Dustin
2: supporting a Mini Driver, particularly the second half, uh, a lot of emotion heartbreak uh she gives him an ultimatum kind of thing i need to hear you say you don't love me and he says it and she i i know it's becoming a trend on this show that like dustin seeks out despair but add heartbreak to the list cuz if it's done well it really pulls at the heartstrings so mini driver
1: uh, i went with stellan on this um yep. this this watch this is this being my first full watch end to end in one sitting i i literally just just sat on the robin williams stellan skarsgard dichotomy and i i just couldn't get over it like that that was that was the heart of this watch through so i'm wondering if i did this more often if i watched you know got the opportunity to watch this through and through if that would change over time but that's the one that really
0: got me through this watch
1: through a hidden gem Andres,
0: I went with Elliot Smith. I almost made Elliot Smith my MVP, which is incredibly biased, but I am such a huge fan of his and love what he brought to this movie. I love the picks they went for the movie. Uh they didn't stick with the classics though, Angelus hitting especially yeah. when Skylar is flying to Los Angeles was incredible, but they put in like what, no name number three, I think it was. One of the no-names.
2: It's unmissable when his voice comes on. Like, you know for sure.
1: It's not my hidden gem, but I'll agree with you on this, that I actually added Angelus to my somber playlist. Uh, Dustin, hidden gem.
2: The guy who plays Clark, the dude who gets owned at the bar, (laughs) uh, he was perfectly (laughs) cast as a guy with a punchable face. So...
1: And that straggly blonde hair that's Awful. like. Awful. Absolutely it, it, dreadful. It, it, like, he looks like a villain in something that gets like hit with gamma radiation and ends up being <laughs> yeah. Hulk's nemesis. Like,
2: yeah. Uh, Wormtail.
3: Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. For my hidden gem, I went with Cole Hauser, the, uh, the most mute of the Matt Damon Ben Affleck friends. Uh, mainly because, like, he went into a, a fairly stark, prominent role phase in a, a lot of like pseudo horror movies in the 2000s. So he he got fairly popular for a while. He disappeared for a hot minute, and then he came back, jacked out of his mind, and uh, is crushing it right now as um, as a character in Yellowstone. So uh, let's, let's let's do the difficult questions. Let's do recast. Dustin?
2: I think uh, that little assistant dude, Tom, should be recast. Uh, John Mighton is who is in the role. But I think it could be more powerful. I think his the, the lines that he's given are, are pretty good. So I was thinking of... The first name that came to my head was Alan Cumming. I'm like, no, that's too big. Oh, it's yeah. Way, it's way too big. So then I was thinking of the guy who plays Zep in Saw. The actor's okay. name is Michael Emerson. I believe mm-hmm. he had a successful TV career uh, in Lost and then Person of Interest. Uh, okay. He's a recognizable face, but essentially just it's a little more pop to Tom's character.
1: I like the Alan Cumming, personally.
2: Well, I think he'd be not- too loud. I think, but I mean, he could do it well. I, could, I, I, I think it, using him. I uh, yeah.
1: I don't, I don't know. know. I think I, I, there could have been a little bit more personality. Maybe the first too. instinct was right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that, Andres.
0: I I struggled a lot. I, I was literally thinking about what I would recast all the way throughout the episode because I think everyone really does their job pretty well up until characters that are small enough that it doesn't even matter. Like, well, would I recast Braj, the guy who just goes, "No way, I could do that equation." Uh, so my recast comes from more from morbid curiosity than someone who I actually want to not be in the movie. But I would love for for Morgan to be a uh, played by DiCaprio. I I want to yeah. see him be just a, a freaky little guy. Uh, <laughs> if, but that that's going more so in uh, in time frame.
1: I I I also took a swing at Casey Affleck because I I honestly the second most punchable face in this film is Casey Affleck. I really I don't I don't like him. I I never have. He's he's on my top probably 10 people I don't want to see in movies. I replaced him with another sibling on purpose from Boston. I replaced him with Donnie Wahlberg. Ugh. So I think that if you wanted an obnoxious Boston Tonian, I feel like that would still work, but it adds a little bit more muscle to the crew. He's a little bit thicker guy. So Mm. um, I just think it would be interesting if he wasn't quite so ratty and was a little bit more bleep you like the rest of them. Let's go. I'm going to get this one out of the way because I feel like there's got to be a cardigan or a scarf in someone's answer. Best wardrobe or makeup moment, Dustin.
2: I was gonna go with Lambo scarf because I actually accessorized with a scarf, but instead on this watch through, uh, Will is wearing like an awesome Cobra jacket during one of the first meetings with one of the other psychiatrists, uh, and I was just like, "Oh, that stands out!" It's like red and yellow. Like it's a it's a cool it's cool jacket. So I'm going with that one this time.
0: Excellent, Andres. I I actually have a, a big hot take with this one. I am here to defend Matt Damon's hair. I <laughs> love what his haircut looks like in that movie. I think it, it adds to the character. Uh, and I just like how it looks. And it seems that I'm pretty alone on this because fans didn't like <laughs> it. Uh, even Matt Damon himself went back years later and apologized for it, said, oh, yeah, I was I was young. I thought it would look good maybe I'm young and also thought it would look good, but I dig the hair every said every child of the nineties,
1: <laughs> like every single one of us said, Oh, this is it right here i the one saving grace is I don't have a single picture because I never did it with
0: frosted tips like,
1: <laughs> like I'm still like
0: <sighs> hey, I did it in the twenty tens but just as a joke really
1: i i I got crushed by the 80s i had a bowl cut it was horrendous
2: I had a bowl cut yeah
1: i'm all stellan Scarsgard's Skar- wardrobe in this i uh, recently within the last five years i have found the wonders of drapey comfortable clothing so whether it's a cardigan scarf or whatever three-quarter length give it to me i absolutely love it
0: that nice that gray flowy thing you own brian uh, I've yeah. had so many people comment about it uh, to me about Positively. you. Yes, in a positive. <laughs> well, they, it gives you Paul Atreides vibes, and I know that you know that.
1: Well, yeah, I'm I, I, I'm I'm game for that too. Brings us to to best shot,
0: Andres. I guess if I had to pick the specific shot, it would be the overhead during the scene where Sean's talking about uh, the baseball game that he didn't go to because he was meeting his wife um i learned that 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 office is meant it was it was built to resemble a baseball diamond so that when he's running around the bases it really feels like bases and in that shot of him just going around and they're having such a good time i think that was a fantastic shot one of the most dynamic in the movie and i think it works it works really well so that's mine
2: that's a cool that's a good choice yeah rude dustin After Sean tells Will that his wife would fart when she was anxious, they both start laughing. And uh, even though I'm getting the reputation of being like a sad boy, seeing the joy on their faces was really good. And I can't pick between the zoom in on Robin's face or on Matt's face, but it it, it represents like a turning point in their relationship. And I, I thought it was great. So that's my shot.
1: Uh so, my best shot is uh Sean taking his glasses off i I feel like the vibes that Robin Williams puts off as his character still hold that same gravity that you know the other shrinks that he goes to and i, I understand that m- might come across as derogatory. The other psychiatrists that uh he uh he visits they're all trying these different methods and whatnot. He's, he's basically sniding all of their attempts. This one who's in an office at a community college and, and genuinely trying
3: to connect with them. You needed that point of, I don't need this. I don't need you. But
1: you just might need me. If folks, if you ever have an argument with someone and they take their glasses off, that's not a good sign, guys. That's As a glasses wearer, if I take my glasses off in an argument, that's not a positive, like, you're not making headway. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Let's go with best scene. Dustin.
2: It's kind of the dressing down. Sean telling Will about all the things that he doesn't know and that he doesn't have experience in. Uh, It is a long scene. It's not a long, long scene. Um, it is a long, continuous shot, but that scene, in particular, is there outside of the office, I think is a, it's a point before the best shot that I just gave, but it's uh, sort of showing you that Sean is a match as far as wits go for Will. I thought that was important. Agreed
0: it's hundreds. uh it's worth noting also that that bench uh by the lake is now a uh robin williams memorial that a bunch of fans visit
2: oh, that's cool that is cool
0: my best scene unsurprisingly is uh it's not your fault i think that is the scene that puts this movie above from a great movie to an exceptional one they said so much with obviously so little. So that has to be my best scene.
1: Uh, So for me, the best scene was Robin Williams talking about regret. It's, it's more of a a monologue love than it is a scene love because we have so many impactful scenes coming from that room that it's hard to pick one of them because they're all, there's a lot of uh, gravity to each, but the monologue specifically, and then how it ended, I it it was a great back and forth change one thing gentlemen Dustin
2: I started writing a big thing about how the scenes with the boys like at the bars are just such a completely different tone sometimes especially the one where Casey Affleck comes down with the catcher's mitt on like some of them are just way out of there but I realized nope the movie needs it don't change it I love it uh, so, what I decided to change was I think Skyler needs a different reason for having to go away or we don't have her be so head over heels for him. Like, the, the the as far as the filmmaking goes, it's really over the top with her clinging to Will and looking around for him when she's in the airport and saying I love you again over the phone. Like, I think that's maybe a step too far. I'd like for her – I'd like for there to be a little more conflict there. Because he did enough to lose some respect in that relationship, I think I'd like to see that on screen. Otherwise, it's not big enough to like really mark this movie down. But I think that's a good change.
1: You're punching a wall near my head. This is probably not going to be the healthiest relationship. I should probably also move on. So, I mean, there's there's a lot there. There's a lot there that unpackage.
0: Uh, change one thing, Andres. There's so little that I want to change in here. I goes back to the curiosity of how could things go differently I'm very curious and I I love what the character does in the movie but I'm very curious what would happen if Skylar wasn't in the movie at all Uh, if we didn't have that be the passion that he follows like what else would he have stuck to I, I would like to see where that movie went if we simply omitted that aspect to it uh
1: for me, I would have liked to have seen at least a, a, a more fleshed out um, idea of where Robin Williams and Stellan Skarsgård go after this. Like, you know, he's going to be traveling. They talked about it. Um, I'm, I'm honestly more... Con- I'd like to know where Robin Williams ends up. So without actually asking for more, which I'm clearly famous for um I, d- yeah. I don't necessarily need more to this film but i would like to know maybe more about his landing.
2: yeah and it, it does make you think because the movie is only two hours six so like you, you could you could maybe do a little bit more but you know even even if it was just a you know to to see them both on vacation or something who knows what it is but th- there was a lot of care and love with the last 10 minutes of this movie. It wasn't a slow Peter out. Like there's, there was some impactful moments in that small amount of time. So in order to keep that impact with another button or stinger on there it might be difficult, but I like, I, I, I agree with you. That would be nice. It's nice to see what hand he's dealt when he says he's willing to be am- gamble again.
1: Yeah. I, I really enjoyed that uh, whole piece on him actually saying, I learned from, you know, something from this as well. Best quote, Dustin.
2: Look, you're my best friend, so don't take this the wrong way. But in 20 years, if you're still living here, coming over to my house to watch the Patriots game, still working construction, I'll kill you. Uh,
0: Andres, what's your uh, best quote? I can't get enough of. Uh, uh, why don't you give me your f- Matt 16 cents you got on you and lady, we'll put your sandwich on layaway. There you go. Keep, keep it right up here for you. Put you on a program. Every day you come in with your six cents, and at the end of the week you have your sandwich. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I am also uh sticking with the boys on this.
1: You nice. get can't you get can more than tuna
2: bit. That was my that was my second. I was gonna run it up. <laughs> How do you get fired for pushing a broom? You got fired pushing a broom. No, they had a they had, they a, had a,
0: restructure. Restructure. a restructuring. I I that I believe we managed to go no cursing for this full episode, but all yeah, three of our quotes end. had <laughs> to have a minute. You can absolutely you can't have a good quote in this movie without it. Right. Yeah,
1: they were they were restructuring all the idiots out of the company. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, again, thank you, Andreas, for joining us. Yeah. And on a five-star rating scale, half-star accepted, your rating is-
0: I would give it a 4.5.
1: 4.5. And Dustin?
2: I'm actually going to go even higher uh, to a five-star movie. The- ways that these, I mentioned it earlier, but this was the crux of why I like it so much is the, how much people care about Will and how it takes him a long time, but he does let some of that in. I kind of gave this away earlier, but I, I think it it really culminates well on top of a stellar Robin performance. So, it's five stars for me.
1: Excellent. I also went five stars I will say that some of that uh, comes from actually finally finishing it end to end one sitting. And there's something profound about this movie. It's very deserving of its accolades. It is a, it's a deep movie, but it's also, I find this to be a rewatchable. In, in a film that's really about people, I, I find this to be a very compelling film. So yeah, I went five stars on this too. Yeah, great scores. Dustin, you want to help me pick out a movie for next time?
2: I've got three options for you here, Brian. I'm going to go through them right here. Number one, extremely loud and incredibly close from 2011. A nine-year-old amateur inventor, francophile, and pacifist searches New York City for the lock that matches a mysterious key left behind by his father, who died in the World Trade Center on September 11th, 2001. Option two, network from 1976. A television network cynically exploits a deranged former anchor's ravings and revelations about the news media for its own profit, but finds that his message may be difficult to control. Finally, option three, District 9 from 2009. Violence ensues after an extraterrestrial race forced to live in a slum like conditions on earth finds a kindred spirit in a government agent exposed to their biotechnology. What's it going to be?
1: I'm always a sucker for journalistic film, so we're going to go with 1976's Network.
2: That's got to beat your broadcast news score, so yeah, I'm down for it.
1: All right. Well, uh, Andreas, thank you for joining us, and thank you to all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's mostly audio only, but we're working on making that... Uh, you can see the faces and uh, and the disasters sometimes. Uh, <laughs> uh, give us a like on Facebook, Instagram, and follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro. Email us at retromovieroundtable at com. Producing and... Imp- Providing for this podcast is fun but not free. We invite you to support the show at our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Retro Movie Roundtable. Any contribution is much appreciated and will go toward making the show better for you and our listeners. As always, thank you for listening, but be good to each other and watch more movies. Dustin? A
2: case with four stones in it. Not one or two or three, but four. Four stones. What the hell am I supposed to do with an empty case?